We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Thursday, December 22nd, and there's not much going on today, right? Then we got a what two game NBA slate. I think tonight we got the Thursday night football, Jacksonville versus the Jets. We got a Saturday NFL slate coming up, but uh, but it's a toss up today. It's on Thursday. We can talk about whatever it is you want. We can continue the conversations we've been having throughout the week, especially with you guys in the YouTube chat. Wataz, Trevor, Bart B, Daniel Hutchings, Grant Brown. Good morning. Good morning. I've been thinking a lot about what we talked about yesterday. I know, I know we talked a, a bit about poker yesterday, but in having some conversations with some other people throughout the course of the day, the folk, to me, I think the disconnect... A lot of times, and you see this in DFS. You see, I see you see this in a lot of gambling, the gambling space in general, sports betting or whatever. 
is a matter of of edge finding. That's what I at least what I call it, edge finding. Like, what are you good at? Are you good at like if if you're a sports better or something like that? Are you good at like top down versus bottom up type of thing? Okay, so like, are you good at making models and predictive stuff and building out things that you know that you could originate better than the market? Are you good at predicting line movement? Are you good at you know finding arbitrage situations? Are you are you good at finding stale lines? Are you beating the closing lines? Things like that that don't involve your own origination. Well, that's that's edge finding also. Like it's there's not a, like which one is better. Like oh, oh do, do you originate your own your own numbers, or do you just take take advantage of what you see in the market and just do top down like it. Both are edges. Both are edges. Depending on how good you are at each, some could have bigger edges than others. And it's a matter of like, oh, well, why don't you do both? Well, you can do both. But it depends on how much edge that you have and how much time it takes for you to discover those edges. In DFS, there, there are plenty of edges in DFS. Some are bigger than others. Some are more capitalized on than others. But it's not, it's not, uh, it's not like, it's not like linear. I guess that's the better way of putting it. It's like, it's not like, oh, here's an edge that, and that you don't have to know anything in order to exploit. It's just, you just do it. And if, as long as I told you what it was, you do it. Like that, it, things don't exist like that. The market is so much more dynamic. So an edge that you have, like that someone earlier this week, it's like, oh, college football. There's a lot of edge in college football DFS. I'm like, okay, I can acknowledge that. And and I feel happy that you're taking advantage of that edge. But if I were to tell you that there's an edge in, in short slate major league baseball that I exploit, would you just, if you never played MLB DFS, would you be like, oh, I, oh, I got to do that now? Like, no, you don't have to do it. You'd feel feel free to keep on playing those college football slates. And like, why aren't I playing the college football slates? Because you could describe what the edge is, but as far as getting to that point, I may not find worth, worth the time, or maybe I can't execute as well as you do. So we were talking about like poker yesterday, as far as like, how has the game changed? Very similar to DFS. Like, how has the game changed from 2005-ish, that era, to now? And people are talking about training sites and solvers and things like that. And then I go to my live, live local card room. I, 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 I see what I saw in 15, 20 years ago. I don't, I don't see, I don't see anything that that is dramatically different. I think there there may be a bit less of like the completely bad players, but you could you could take what I just said and apply it to DFS, right? We're coming up into twenty twenty three, and you go back to two thousand thirteen, ten years ago. You if we had this show ten years ago, people would look at me like I had fourteen heads. What do you mean, look at the projections? What projections? What are you talking about? Oh, in order for me to have a projection, you have to build your own. You have to, there are no, there's nothing. You talk about ownership. It's like ownership. 
What does that matter? Great, 28% of people have this guy. Does that matter? Right, you go back, you go back 10 years ago, you, you, you find a lot of information where it's, like the edge was in basketball, just figuring out this guy's out and this guy's in. Who benefits in this situation? Like we like ten years ago, I, there was barely, if any, like an on-off tool for data that was pu- at least publicly available, where you could say, "Oh, with Giannis off the court, how many, you know, what does Drew Holiday do, and what like that type of stuff?" Like that was the edge. You go back to you go back ten years. Sometimes the edge is just knowing who who's in, just literally who's in. Someone will be someone will be out a half an hour before NBA lock ten years ago, and end up being thirty two percent owned, getting a zero. He's not playing, and simply knowing that oh he wasn't in today, that was an edge. So if you didn't if you didn't like evolve past the fact that that's not really an edge anymore. There's not as much of an edge anymore. You'd, you'd play DFS in 2023 and go, I don't know where the edge is. Like, well, depending on the con, it really depends on the contest that you're playing. Depends on the stakes. And sometimes the stakes don't matter, but it just really depends on the contest that you're playing. There are going to be some contests that you play, maybe not as many anymore. That simply knowing who's in is the biggest edge. Right? You're playing against some some rando head-to-head, something like that. It's quite possible they make enough egregious mistakes that simply, like, knowing who's in and out and, like, oh, this guy that's going to, you know, be a 10x median because this guy's out in NBA and your opponent doesn't even have the guy in it. Like, he's, like, 87% owned in GPP. Not in your opponent's cash lineup. Like that, there you go. That's the edge. Like that's, that's the edge. That's the biggest edge you could have. So if you could find opponents and play in games where those huge edges that to most players, the most competent players, the most above average players, at least is no longer an edge. Why wouldn't you, why, why wouldn't you be playing those? Other than the fact that it may not be worth enough raw money if it's only in the lower stakes. So think of those terms. Think of playing $5, $10, $25 head-to-heads, $50 head to whatever, whatever it is. You can find opponents down there. I'm just using cash games and head-to-heads as an example so we don't overcomplicate, you know, GPP price structures or anything. Just like pretend there wasn't or were no GPPs in DFS. It's like if you if I could go down to the one dollar lobby, two dollar lobby, and be able to get a hundred, couple of hundred bucks in action against people that a good a good portion of them are not going to play the guy at thirty eight hundred in NBA because four people are out on the team and they project for like. 10x their the salary adjusted value and half the people aren't going to play that guy because well i don't know you know they they don't realize with this guy out and that guy out and this guy this guy's gonna play 36 minutes and what like they don't realize that they're just playing what i don't know what they're playing wouldn't you want wouldn't you want your first 500 dollars in volume at least to be in that in that error that the first hundred dollars in volume 
Like, what else do you need to do there? I mean, like, like you play straightforward. You're all you're doing is playing. Like, they're making such big mistakes that it's just like, okay, I'm just going to go to go to the uh, go to the NBA optimizer, right? Go to the my projections on Roto Grinders and just click the button, right? Just plug in, plug in two zeros, and just press the button and just play that lineup. If I knew that I was playing against opponents that would miss, and uh, okay, well, they're not going to play CJ McCollum or Najee Marshall. I'm like, like. Like, dude, this, this is easy. I, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna win these head-to-head, 65 plus 70 percent of the time. Do I need? Do I need to find any other edges? Do I need to? Can I? Sure, but do I need to? The question is no. The, the answer is no. You don't have to find anything. If you could find those games, imagine taking what you know now in DFS. And tools that are available now in DFS, and go back to 2013 on DraftKings or FanDuel. But of course, no one else has those tools. No one else. It's like you're, you're sitting here, you're playing tonight's slate and or whatever Saturday's NFL slate, tonight's two game NBA slate or whatever. And you have these projections, and you have ownership projections, and you have all of the you have all of these tools and information. And you're playing against opponents that don't have these this at all. And and most of them don't even have the concept of this even information. They're just going, who do you think is going to do well tonight? Well, I think uh I think Devin Vassell's gonna do well tonight. I mean, like that, I don't know how the I don't know how, how people are picking players and building lineups. They have no sense of positive or negative correlation, they have no sense of any of these concepts whatsoever. You know how much you'd crush in those games? You go back, you go back in time, you go back 10 years, you'd have you'd be winning head to head 68, 70% of the time. You'd be in the money in double ups, like 64, 66% of the time. You'd be you'd be crushing. Your ROI would be ridiculous. Now, not so much, because so many more people. Have this information and utilize it and execute it. So where are the edges? The edges could simply be in, you know, finding finding the contests that have two or three schmucks in it that make, they don't make egregious mistakes, but they make big enough mistakes that it covers the rake for everyone. And then some. You get a 2% ROI or something on it. You could do that. Or the edge could be in, Having the slightly better projections and slightly so you're going to beat a lot of the other kind of sharper players over time more, but probably not more than the rake. But you're going to try to get better on that end, and that's your way of finding edge. But do you need to do that? That's the question. Do you need to do that? What games are you playing? Now, if you're playing, if your goal you go, I'm going to play 50,000 in volume every day. Dude, you need to find the smallest of it. You, that, that's, that, then there you go. Yeah, if you're playing 50,000 a day, and you're going to be playing 5K head-to-heads, and you're playing up in the, the high stakes, you're probably playing against some of, if not the best players in the world. At DFS. Of course, it's a little bit lower rate because the high stakes, they take out a little bit less percentage-wise. But finding those edges and being slightly better here and slightly better there 
is worthwhile then. But those slightly betters or whatever, it doesn't, doesn't amount to that much when you're playing $100 in volume against people that make so many, so are, are so exploitable as it is. They're already exploitable. The guys in the high stakes probably aren't that very exploitable, at least in, in head-to-heads and double-ups. They're exploitable in three-mans and five-mans and triple-ups a lot of times. So in the discussion we had yesterday, when it comes to like what I said about poker, when people are coming to me, it's like, no, you need to you need to know X, you need to know this, you need to know whatever. And I go, well, what games are you in? Or they'll or they'll say like I, I'd won, uh, uh, I want to call him a pro poker player that I know. Say, well, if you if you, I mean. If you have that, if, if you don't get better, you're never going to make it past like the 510 no limit. Like maybe, maybe you could make it up to 510 no limit type games, but you ain't going to make it past there. And, I, and you know what I said to him? I said, 510 no limit a lot of times has like a $2,500 buy in. Like, like, dude, like if you, if you could make like, what are we talking about? Maybe, even a tenth of buy-in, a, let's just say a tenth of buy-in on average, the two hundred fifty dollars per, you know, like maybe what it's a, it's a five ten game. Maybe you're, you can you make can you make a hundred and twenty five dollars an hour? You know how good that you know what we're talking about. We're talking about one hundred and twenty five dollars an hour. So you're telling me that oh. Oh, the way that I'm thinking, never it's never gonna get you're never gonna get past like playing five, ten no limit games for uh and and knitting it up for $125 an hour. That I'd love that. I'd just stay in that game forever. What are you people talking about? Dude, I mean I dude, I average like 35, 40 bucks an hour in one, two games. Why? Because the edge is that big. The edge is that significant in one, two, no limit games with a $300 max. The rake is ridiculous though. But depending on the structure and the bet, and depending on the games that you're in, a lot of those one, two, 300 max games play, actually play more like a two, five, 500 max or thousand max game. I try to play in those games. I try to find the deep stack or wait until, you know, two, two stacks collide into each other. And some, now some schmuck has a thousand bucks in front of that's what I'm waiting for. And then you have certain card rooms, like the one here has a half stack match rule. I like I, I like any any card room that has a match rule, meaning you could buy up to X amount of the biggest stack at the table. Some have you could buy up to the biggest stack at the table. Some have the one here it, it, it's Caesar Southern Indiana, it's half stack. So if someone it's, I I I if if I get to a table and some guy is up, no, even if they're good or bad, it doesn't matter. They're up to fifteen hundred bucks. I'm buying it for seven fifty. I want to play with the small blinds, very small blinds, and deep stacks because people make a gr- very bad post flop decisions now. They stay play as if they have hundred and fifty bucks in front of them, rather than have a thousand bucks in front of them. So they tend to make much bigger mistakes post flop. And then once you consider like what the edges are in those games, it's like. Am I fine with 35 to 40 bucks an hour? If I move up to two five and playing some weak games like there, 
That's like 80 bucks an hour. Hell yeah, why not? What are we talking about here? You know, you're never going to get past five. You're never going to be able to beat the, the really high stakes players. It's like, why would I ever even want to play? Why? why am I wanting to play against them? Why would I even want to? Well, don't you want to make seventeen trillion dollars this year? I think that's where I think that's where the mindset comes from. My mindset difference is much, much, much different. It's the same thing in DFS. Well, why don't you play these contests and those contests? Why don't you max enter this and max enter that? It's like, like, dude, I'm just looking to make fifty to seventy five thousand dollars a year. How do I do that with the the, the bare minimum of risk of ruin? Well, that's what I'm going to do. Is there edge out there in DFS to do that? Yes. Yes. That's realistic to do. What I'm what I'm describing is absolutely realistic. It's not easy, but it's realistic. To go in and go, I'm gonna make a half a million dollars this year in DFS. That's you're gonna have to take on a lot more risk. Or you're gonna have to get significantly better. Or you're gonna have to find and squeeze out very minimal edges against other people. My attitude is for my goal, is there a need for that? Is there a need? Other than for maybe intellectual curiosity or something like that, is there a need? So that's why the conversations that, like in, in yesterday's show, and what I had with a couple of people via Twitter DMs yesterday, it's the mind, the, the mindset difference. But dude, I could, fi- I could, dude, I could find, Good poker games, where I, 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 I could, I could find games where I don't have to play against McLovin and BK Reader and and Papa Gates, right? And Osimo, right? I could, I could find those deeds. Like, imagine you, you, you're, you're not restricted yet on on DraftKings or FanDuel. You could still play the one dollar and two dollar games. Why the hell are are you playing anything else? Don't play, don't play anything more, anything other than that until you get restricted. Wouldn't you want the top 300, 400 players in the lobby to be like, they're gone. And I'm not saying that there aren't good players at the $1 and $2 level in DFS. But when you could play every contest in the lobby with a click of a button, why the hell would you want to include the 300, 400, whatever amount top players that have tons of volume and profit and whatever? Just play, play all the $1, $2 games until you're restricted. Don't even think of it. And unless you want to get more volume, you need, you're good enough that, well, I want to play more than three hundred dollars a slate. Well, then you then you played some of the five dollars contests. Then you start posting ten dollar, twenty dollar head to heads. But if you're playing less than three hundred dollars in volume on a slate, and you're not restricted, why should you be clicking on anything that's above two dollars? What? Why? Your edge against once you take out that top set of players, it's much higher. I can't do that. I can't play those games. I'm restricted. I'd love to play the $1, $2 games and have my the first $300 of volume on every slate. Give me the five times X higher ROI than anything else. The thing is, is that once you get past three, once you get past that point, it's like, okay, what could your ROI on three hundred dollars be? Maybe if you, even if you're running at a fifteen percent ROI, that's forty five. That's what forty five bucks a slate. Now, to some people, it's like, can I make forty five bucks a day playing D, playing a DFS, TFS cash games? That may sound like, oh, 
they would look at me and go, why do I need to do anything more? 45 bucks a day, 30 days a month, right? Something like that. That comes out to what? 1,200, 1,400, somewhere around there, maybe somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 a month. By essentially just finding the weakest players and the one, $2 games and whatever and clicking optimize type of thing. You can probably get away with it on both sides. And some people would look at that and go, why wouldn't I? I sure, give it to me. If I can get if I can make $1,500 a month playing DFS, great. It's a nice side thing, right? They don't quit their day job or anything. It's like, oh, give me, give me $18,000 a year. It pays for the family vacation. They go to Hawaii or something. Who am I to argue with that? Who the hell am I to argue with that? I, I What am I supposed to say? Well, you're never going to get past, you know, once you get restricted, you know, you can't win like that anymore. They would look at me and go, well, what, who, who says I want to get past that point? And I go, okay, that, that's fine. You don't need to do anything more. You don't need to do anything more. And then when you get up to a certain point in DFS, it's like, oh well, don't you want to, don't you want to play the Thunderdome? Don't you want to play the luxury box? And like, dude, I don't play any of those games. So you don't want to get good enough? I said it's not about getting good enough. You're focused on the wrong things. My goal isn't to get good enough. My goal is to win money. Right? If you ever if you ever watch Rounders, right? The movie Rounders, which I've seen seven million times. So when when you when you run, when you run a card room. Back in the day, at one, two in the morning after all the sports games are done, someone's putting in that DVD. Someone's doing it. Is that in the card room that I run? We had the DVD player. This is way back in the day. This is mid two thousand. So there was there wasn't uh, you know streaming and anything like that. So eventually it gets down to where it's only Sports Center replaying itself over and over again on ESPN. And someone, some schmuck, will be like, "Ah, oh, let me let's put a rounders." So I've seen that movie a million times. I'm not saying it's a bad movie, it's just that I've seen it a million times. But in that in that movie, I'm Joey Kanish. That's who I am. Mike Mike McDermott, right? Goes, I took a shot, right? Took he lost his money to Teddy KGB. Right? He wants to go to Vegas. He wants to, you know, be he. He made a move on Johnny Chan in Atlantic City and some, that was a horrible example, but whatever, I get it. Joey Kanish is like, like, I don't play for the bright lights and the whatever, I play for money. I play that my kids eat with the money I make. Like, what, what are you, bright lights and whatever? And then of course, Mike McDermott's like, like yeah, because you don't have the balls. You don't have the balls to make a play. You don't have the balls. You you have all you have all the answers, but you don't have the balls. And Joey Kiddish goes, "Well, you son of a bitch. He has the balls not to." In my opinion, I view Joey Kiddish as the person that has the biggest balls to say, "Yeah, I could be that good." But in the chance of being that good. Everything that I currently have could go away. Do I like what I currently have? I love what I currently have. So what the hell am I doing anything more than that? So that's how I view that. That's how I view DFS. And that's how I view poker. That's how I view sports betting. Anything like that. Prop betting. 
Like, dude, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be playing 20% of my bankroll in DFS every day. That's that's insane. It just seems absolutely insane to me. Ah, oh, you know, you don't have the balls to take a shot. Like, dude, I'm I'm gonna play a small percentage of my bankroll, and I'm gonna find the biggest edges possible. And for the eighth fiscal year in a row, I will be getting 1099s from the sites. What better dream is that? This is what I do. I'm in my pajamas right now. I wake up, I do this show. I make some lineups. Maybe not even tonight because there's nothing really. Do I want to play the showdown slate in a horrible game? Probably not. Like, this is what I do. Oh, but you're never, you're never going to get past the 5, 10, no limit. Like, like, dude, who says I ever want? Like, dude, I can make plenty without it. So that's the kind of kind of the general theme. I'm talking about like from just a this is this is a gambling mindset. It's not just DFS. It applies to DFS. It applies to sports betting. It applies to poker. It applies to anything when it comes to this wagering for a living. That's why you hear so many people, and, and if you hear interviews or whatever, you hear advice. A lot of people talk about goals. And when you first start playing, a lot of times you get very confused by that. You go, well, all of this matters. Anything that you do is going to depend on your goals. And people in the beginning go, well, I just want to win. So like what, why would that, why would the strategy to win at this change depending on if I want to make this amount of money or that amount of money? Isn't it just, how do I win at this? So in the beginning, you don't you don't think in terms of risk versus risk and ruin, right? You don't think in those terms. You think I got 500 bucks and how do I win this? If I lose the 500 bucks, so be it. You don't think in terms of like, well, what happens if you have $300,000? Imagine losing $300,000 as quickly as you could lose 500 bucks when you play. And now consider the fact that you have mortgage payments and you have expenses and whatever. How are you going to play differently? What is your what is your goal? What is your goal? With $500 bankroll, $500 that you can replenish? Your goal could be to take shots. Feel free, take shots. Fine, play half your bank. Who cares? It's discretionary income to you. You could you could take whatever risk the hell you want. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Once you get once you get the bankroll in the six figures, that ain't easily replenishable. So taking shots and saying I'm gonna pl- I'm gonna I'm gonna max enter the four thousand dollar milli, right? When they run it, the four 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 whatever. Maybe it's like an eighteen max or something. How, how many? Have, if eighteen times four 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 four, yeah, I'm just gonna put in a, a eighty thousand dollars. Doesn't matter if even if I have an edge in that contest. Like, why am I risking it? When I could do what I'm doing and make X amount of money on average per year without even putting a fifth of my bankroll at risk for no reason. So, what are those edges? If once you find the edges that you find, my attitude is why don't you just bleed them dry? Just bleed them dry. Well, I got to find this edge and that edge. Why? Why? Tell me why. Why don't you concentrate on the edges that you have 
and you just bang them until they're dead. As long as they're continually available, why do you have to find any other edges? That's kind of the point that I'm making. That's why I always say, and, and I mean, it still comes down to the general thing in the theory of D- DFS. I highlighted, I, I've said it multiple times. The number one factor on your ROI will be who you're playing against, not how good you get. The best, imagine being the 10th best poker player in the world and then sitting down at a table with the nine better players. You're dead. You're dead. Yeah, but I want to be number one. Why? Well, if that's your goal, then that's your, okay, I have to respect that goal. You don't mind going broke in this span of trying to go from being the 10th best player to the first best player. But dude, if you're the 10th best player, you could probably find a game with the 5,000th best player and the 22,000th best player and make more money than whatever game you're sitting at. And then you go to that game and you go, oh, the stuff that they do at this game is nowhere near as complex, right? That's why I had people in my DMs talk about like about you know GTO and poker. And I go, you you people are live in a bubble. I don't know what bubble you're in. May, online poker. May, maybe online, online poker is significantly harder. I get it. You're playing eight tables, right? Okay, I get it. Have you ever gone to a live card room? Why do I have to balance anything when no one exploits me? Like that's that that's the crux of the that, that's the crux of the argument. Right, Daniel Hutchings is in chat. The argument that I'm making, because I had a conversation with someone yesterday, and they're like, "Well, if you do this too much, you'll get exploited." If you do this too much, you'll get it. You, oh, oh, you you tell me you continuation bet heads up every every. I continuation bet for the half half in any heads up situation, in the games that I play in poker, if I'm heads up, I will bet half the pot, one hundred percent of the time. On a, if I'm the pre if I'm the pre flop raiser in a heads up scenario, and in a three in a three way pot, I'll probably I'll probably do it half the time. And then they'll go, well, well, people, people will exploit that. Said so you don't you don't have a hand often enough that you could they people could just this is what I've been this is what I was told. You can't do that. That's that, that's a that's a leak because then people will just raise you every time. And you know what I say? I said, I've been playing like that in these types of games for more hours than you've been alive. Okay. That's probably an exaggeration, but that the point is I've been playing for more hours in these types of games. I've never encountered someone that exploited me. Never. That would just raise me every time. I just haven't encountered people. People aren't observant enough to do that. I'm not being exploited. Can someone exploit me? Absolutely. I know exactly what I'm doing. But what I'm doing is I'm exploiting the, the average player at the table where my half pot, pot my half pot bet size on the flop, no matter if I have a hand, don't have a hand, it's it's, it's coming out no matter what. It's coming out, no, you're, you're getting it no matter what because I get enough folds on average 
And when I have a when I have a, a medium strong hand, I I get paid. When I have a monster, sometimes I get raised. I mean, like it's just it's a benefit all around. Can someone sit next to me, and uh, on my on my left, isolate and do that and and exploit me? Absolutely. I'm not saying that you can't. Of course you can't. It's absolutely exploitable. The problem is in those games, no one no one, no one exploits. So why do I have to worry about playing some balanced strategy? I'm playing absurdly exploitative to everyone else at the table. So if like my if my frequencies and my lines, like dude, and some like if you if you come if you come watch me play poker and you see like stacks upon stacks of my my money going in, just look at the board and whatever the best possible hand is, I probably have. Like when I when I'm betting forty into a $200 pot or something like I could have God knows what, who knows if, if I'm playing a one, two game and there's $1,500 behind of two players, effective stacks. And some guy bets 200 and I go 650. Well, you better look, look at the damn board. I probably have top set on the flop or something. I mean, like very unlikely I have anything other than the best hand. Like I, I, I almost never show up. You will never, you will almost never see me show up with anything other than the best hand. And they go, and then, and they go, oh, well, that's so ex- easily exploited. I go, yeah, you're absolutely right. And no one, no one exploits it. Right. I may, I, I make that raise and I get called like way too often with the nuts, way too, way too often with the nuts. So because I get called way too often with the nuts, why, why do I have to balance anything? Why don't I just bet the nuts? They, and then they'll say, well, in the games that I play, like you won't get called that often. I said, yeah, so you should play in the games that I play. Then. Like, but You're describing your own problem. Then why are you playing in those games? Why are you playing in those games? Where you have to go and you have to you have to manually in your head go. I'm I'm I got seventy percent. I bet here and thirty percent. I do here and his hand ranges this and this hand ranges that. And then I got I can I I have to defend my big blind at sixty percent of the time. And then I got to like, dude, maybe you should just be playing in the games that I'm playing. And you know the thing is, over the course of fifteen years, they haven't changed. You can find you can find those games. Apparently, every time I go to play poker, every couple of months or whatever, the games that haven't changed. I'm doing the same things I did 15 years ago. And they're still successful, wildly. Am I exploitable? Absolutely, but no one does it because no one's paying attention enough. They pay this much attention and I take advantage of their attention. So the same thing, the same thing applies to DFS. Like, dude, if you, if you, if you, whatever edge, if you're paying $300 a night in some whatever niche sport or something like that, and like, yeah, but you're not going to be able to make a ton of money in it. So what, what's your goal? Why are we out? Why are we out trying to, trying to become the best? Why don't you just try to make the most amount of money playing better games? Going through YouTube chat. Dave Clark says, if I'm a schmuck, I have to find bigger schmucks to play against. I'm not saying that you shouldn't get better. Yeah, obviously you should look to get better. And all of that information, all the stuff, you know, the modern poker theory, I've read. It's not like I don't know what you're talking about. 
right? I, I was I was listening to, to Sammy Reed, right? He's on the Gilcast, which is on the, the Roto Riders fantasy football feed. He has a poker podcast. I just started listening to it. I'm starting from the beginning. He describes two hands that he plays, and he plays primarily like two five level no limit holdem. Two three five, sometimes five ten, or they play like two three five ten, like something something like that in, in like the San Francisco area, California, Northern California. And he describes hands that don't exist in my games. Four bet, four betting with air. Like I've never seen a reason. I, I don't think I've ever four bet ever. Uh, tournaments. You can, I'm there's more cash games. Never four better with air preflop. If I'm in a game where I need to do that, I'm probably not in a good game. I probably, I, I should be racking up my chips and going somewhere else. If that's the way I need to make my money. By someone exploiting the fact that I open raise with a very wide range. Right. It's very exploitable. If you three bet me, I mean like three betting me at, 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 at the tables, it's an absurdly profitable strategy. But no one does it. That, that's the thing. No one does it. No one does it. That's what I yell at people that are they're arguing with me in DMs yesterday. Well, if you don't do this, then the people will take advantage of you. They, I, I, I'm, I'm playing in games where people don't take advantage. If I get three bet, I'm getting three bet by a premium hand. I'm not getting three bet with air. Occasion, occasionally, yeah. It's, occasionally I run into a very observant opponent. And typically, it's like, okay, that's the person I don't screw with at the table. Right? So I won two, 12. I bet 12. So it makes 35. My range of hands could be God knows what, especially in late position. Like, you could do that all day to me. You'll be in position, and if I do call, I'm probably going to have a weaker hand than you, and I'm going to be out of position. So you could you could just bleed money from me all you, all you want. I'm admitting it is exploitable. Now, if no one exploits that, you know what I'm doing? I'm exploiting everyone else at the table now. Because no one's doing that. Then you know what? The side effect is, is people think that I'm crazy. Maybe not crazy, crazy, but whatever. That's how I get all my action. That's the point. That's the point that I'm making. The edge that I found is that in these weaker games, the weaker passive-ish type of games, that in late position, I just raise, open raise, because so many people limp in. If I'm going to play a hand in late position, I raise. So you know what it looks like? It looks like I'm raising, like every third hand. That's what it looks like to other people. So people look at me and go, this guy's loose and aggressive. And you know what I do? I continuation bet, like most of the time. Now, in a five-way pot, no, not necessarily, but in heads up, three-way. So that's all they see. They see the same thing over, this guy's just, Plays half the third of his hands. He's raising and he's betting on the flop with everything. Then he use that to my advantage. I go, what do they think of me? And what do I think of them? Right? What is my table image? What do they think I have? What did, what have they seen that, that of my hand in showdown? Then I value bet them to death. And I fold when I know I'm, I know I'm bad. And I wait for someone with a big stack to play back at me when I have the nuts. Or, or whatever, a, 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 dom, a very dominating hand at the moment. They go, oh, that, that 
and and then you know what someone told me he said yeah that very pro- very that that works profitably at the games that you play he said won't won't work at the 510 game that I play that said so why are you playing the 510 game that you play why don't you just keep on playing the game that you play? well I can't make as much money right they'll make more raw money it's like okay well now 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 you've made like much less edge up there very similar to DFS where it's like, oh, why are people playing, you know, $500 head-to-heads? Well, the less rake and more raw money. If you have a two, let's say you have a 2% ROI at high stakes head-to-heads and you play $5,000 worth, let's just say, on an NFL Sunday or something. So what's 2% of 5000 Two percent of five thousand is what? Five hundred, hundred, hundred bucks? Is that a hundred bucks? It's better than playing what, like the ten percent of you know your eighty dollars worth of volume or something. I don't know. I don't think I gave a very good example, but that's kind of the point. Ah. <sighs> Daniel Hutchins says, I don't think $125 an hour is possible in any 510 game I've ever seen. But perhaps the games are just much better in other places. Well, I don't know. I don't I don't I don't play in 510 games. So I I couldn't I couldn't imagine that. But I could tell you from my own records that in the one, two, most three hundred to five hundred dollar max games that I played back in the day in New York City, my hourly rate was like 30 to 35 bucks an hour. In those games. And in the games that did Caesars Indiana, that's the Southern Indiana is probably probably a little bit a little bit lower than that. A little, a little not as wild. So maybe 20, 20-ish, maybe. And that's very good. Let me tell you, that's very good for those games. For that that to most people. So I don't know about five. I don't I don't know. I don't play five ten no more. I would if I could see the game and how it's played. But like I said yesterday, I've sat, I sat down, I, you know, I, I was very good at limit holding. And I sat down at the 2040 Bellagio game two years ago. I was there over for, for whatever meeting or something. Like, okay, I'll play, I'll play 2040 at Bellagio. I've never played, I've never played limit at the, I played, I think eight, six, when I went a long time ago, it was like an eight, 16 or something. I'll play 2040. And it's like, it was the heart. It was like the hardest limit game I've ever been in. Like, this is insane. So I played for an hour and I got up. I said, okay. Either limit has passed me by or everyone has got significantly better. And then I sit down at like a 2-5 no limit game and it feels like I'm in 2004 again. And I go, okay, so so, has, so nothing's changed. People are still making idiot, mis- idiot mistakes. People playing short stacked and people limp, limp, limp. Either you get limp, limp, limp or you get, get, you get people that limp, limp, 47, and they only have like 120 effective in front of them. And you go, what? what's the point of this? How, how stupid is this? And then you hear the, the, the table talk, and you go, oh, all these people are idiots. And they take advantage of it. Daniel Hutchings says ego and gambling can get very expensive. Yeah, I think that that's kind of what I'm saying. Very similar to people, I, I get some trolls that will DM me and go, 
Oh, if you were so good, you would you would have won the Millie Maker already. I go, what does that what does winning the Millie Maker have anything to do with that? I mean, I don't I don't I don't respond back to most of those people. Oh, why aren't you making a million a year? Like I'm making fifty to seventy five thousand dollars a year. Only? Oh, only? What are your goals? I don't know. That seems fine to me. They're most. If I told most people that, hey, you want to get good enough at this to make fifty to seventy-five thousand dollars on average per year, and that includes all the wild swings, also, they'd be like, "Yeah, I'll take that." And do people like, "Ah, that ain't good enough." Most of the time, the response comes back from recreational people. They're like, "They to them, it's not worth it unless they can make." Oh, I'm looking to make. I want a hundred. I want hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's like, what do you do for a living now? It's like, oh, I, I run a car wash. It's like, you want to just not run a car wash anymore and just do this? Well, yeah. Well, then do you have to think in terms of making fifty to seventy-five thousand dollars a year and not, hey, maybe I could spike the millie maker. Defix says most people, myself included, find it hard to take the long view. I want to win a milli maker, not earn a million over 10 years. Yeah, that's the difference. I want to earn a million over 10 years. That's how I play. That's how I teach. That's how I that that that's how I operate. Salt River Hillbillies are asking about snow. Am I getting snow here? Is there snow in Louisville? I don't know. There's a lot of snow. The, the weather, you have to look at this weather report. Even even Roth says that this is the n- most nutso worst week of NFL weather he's ever seen. Where is it? Where's the weather? Where's the weather? NFL weather. Like he says, it is the worst. I mean, like every game. Obviously, tonight's game is ridiculous, but it's all it's all it's all uh, it's all calculated to the totals anyway. See, that's the thing about models. It's like it's it's already in there. Right, look at this Baltimore Atlanta game. I mean, look look at these totals. I mean, look at some of these totals. New Orleans Cleveland has a 32 and a half total. I don't know if I've ever seen a total that low in an NFL game. So we've got tons of weather, right? Cold. I mean, because we're going through like all the 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 whatever, the wind stream, whatever's coming down. Like it's gonna be like like 10 degrees everywhere in the country, pretty much. Anything else? You want to talk about anything else before we get out of here? So I just wanted to talk about just a general, like, what are we trying to do here playing DFS? We're trying to find edges and make money. Are you trying to be the best? If that ends up happening, sure, be sure, okay. Depends on what your goal is. You can't start from zero and go, I'm going to be the best. You can, there's going to be some progression. And maybe you get to a certain point in your progression, you go, I'm fine here. If I, if I if I could be here for the rest of wherever, for the rest of my life, then I'm fine. Maybe that, and then you go, okay, my goal isn't to be, isn't to get the big check, the live finals, right? It isn't to sit down at the World Series of Poker, a final table or anything, you know, whatever. Be like, dude, I could just, Go to my local card room and just wow, a lot of a lot of bad players that don't exploit you. That don't exploit you. 
Daniel Hutchins says modern poker GTO study for me is largely defensive for when I am in pots against strong and poke players. That see that 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 I would agree with. So being aware, being aware of those types of things, of those concepts, just like in DFS, is useful for those when when you need to bring it out of your arsenal. Right? We need to bring out the late swap dynamics and head to heads. Right? Most of the time you don't need it. Right, but when you're facing maybe someone, another observant opponent, that's like, well, we both got two players left, and they know what I know, and they know what I know, and they know what I know in the middle of the night, you know, and then you switch around some stuff. Like that's that's the way it is in poker. So knowing how better players will play against you, and then it's trying to reverse that, so like they know what you know, what I know. So knowing those types of things, like how, like. I, I guarantee I guarantee you that they're when I when I play live, there are one or two decent play there are one or two good players at the table that will know that it's like oh, okay I could raise this guy that maybe maybe bluff slightly more in certain spots maybe value bet certain more in certain spots that I I leak money at in those types of pots but the thing is it's gen- we generally avoid each other gen- generally it's oh, I'm avoiding those situations. I'm avoiding those spots. I'm not finding those spots. I'm not trying to get into those spots. If I have a decent player or whatever that with without it that big of a stack or even, you know, the moderate stack size that, you know, I I ra- I open raise in late position and get five X three bet out of the small blind, I just muck my hand. I just muck it. That's it. Okay. Oh, well, you got me. Here's your $12. They you go, well, well, what, what happens if he does that too often? And if I see him do it again, maybe I muck it again. You know what? I wait for a time where that doesn't happen and other people call me and then I try to win a big pot there. I mean, like, do I need to take a stand now? No, just give it up. There's other, there's, look. All you have to do is look at the other people at the table. I'm looking. I'm looking at the other people at the table. Oh, look at all this money there. Why do why am I why am I in a dick swing contest against another strong player at the table? And I hope that they see it that way also. And that's a lot of times that what ends up happening. That sometimes you have to you have to kind of slap their dick a little and then they'll stop. And then 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 you both like avoid each other. No one says anything. It's just like kind of it's kind of you, you you feel it out, and then you go look look let 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 bolts turn to everyone else at the table. You see like two or three thousand dollars on the table. That's up for grabs. Let's split it up. Why are you coming after me? Why why am I? I'm not going to come after you. I'm not looking to get into all these pots with you. You shouldn't be looking to get in all these pots with me. The thing is that I t- I, I I'm very greedy. Right, the, the other types of players are like this guy's getting into pots with all these players. Yeah, because I'm raising all the time. And then you're you you try to isolate me, and I'm gonna just try to I slap you in the dick a little, and then hopefully you hopefully you go away. Let me, let me have the let me have these people. The same thing in the three man. I mean, that's what the th- that's essentially what the three and five man lobby in DFS is. It's sharper players trying to fight over the randos that that enter those games.
Dana Hutchins says my Colorado lifetime hourly is around $50 an hour for 30, 60 limit, which is, yeah, a little under one big bet, but it's probably lower now. Fewer games that are spread less often. Yeah. Well, limit, limit, limit. You could, you could judge by, by big lines, right? Your hourly, you know, one big blind an hour, you know, 0.8 big blinds an hour. I don't use that for no limit. Cause to, to get, what does the blinds matter to me? It's, it's, it's buy-ins. How 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 much money you could have on the table matters. Because back in the back in the day in New York, the, the one two games in the underground clubs were five hundred max, not three hundred max. And because it's mostly under private clientele, most people bought in for the max. It wasn't like you know some people bought it for a hundred or two hundred, like you'll see in some casino card rooms. Now we'd we'd, we'd open a game nine handed, and six out of nine players would buy in for 500 and the other three would buy in for like two or 300. And within, within, within three hours, right. They'd be twice the amount of money on the table, right? Someone busts out. Another person comes in, buys in for 500. This guy busts and what like, and it could be, it'll be, it'll be three in the morning and there'll be, there'll be three or four people at the table with at least 1500 in front of them. At least. And the blinds are still one and two. So that that game you can't go by. Oh, well, I have twenty big blinds is forty bucks. Like it, I don't, it, I don't think it represents it enough. And then there are some games that are one two games where everyone is short stacked. So obviously your hourly rate at that, from a big blind perspective, is going to be much lower. So to me, just going by the blinds don't doesn't mean anything. There are one two games that play closer to five ten games than other one two games and there are two five games that play more like one two games i've been in two five games where 15 and everyone folds like what the hell is going on here 15 everyone folds or 15 and no one three bets and it's incredibly passive and all the pots are like 60 dollars. i go this is just as passive as the one two the, the one two game next to us is has has more action in it so can you really go by a $5 big blind and, and, and measure by that? I don't think that's a good measurement. James Aguirre asks, have you ever had a problem with valuing your opponents? I feel like I used to disrespect my opponents by thinking everyone was stupid. Now I feel like I give people too much credit. I think that I think neither is correct. But I want to relate this to DFS also. Like when it, when I see a rando take my head to head, I don't just ass, I don't assume they're stupid. I assume that they're probably below average, probably until proven otherwise. Once they prove otherwise, then but I don't just sit down in the game and think everyone stood. That I think that I think that's I don't think that does that's good for you. I don't sit down and go, oh, I don't know any of these people. They're all stupid. And I just treat them all as the same thing? No. They could all be stupid in different ways. Some people, some people are, it's it's mostly average. Like these people, like a lot of times you'll just find average players. Players that don't have absurd leaks. But they also, they don't exploit anything. So you're just sitting there and you're like, okay, well, I could easily, I could easily, you, you, I could easily predict what you're playing and how you're playing. Then you take advantage of it. It doesn't mean you to pick on people. 
They could be stupid in different ways. They could be good in different ways. There's some, there's some, there's some really good, really tight, like, like knit knit players. That even in games that are weak, that'll be very very tight. But when they're in a hand, they'll they'll triple barrel with nothing. Those are really good players. You barely see them play a hand, and then when they do, they're betting twice the size of the pot. Okay, that that's good in that way. And then you have people like me, who my natural tendency is to bet very small often. And then just read everyone else's hands based on how they react. And the better that I could, and the less that I could predict your hand ranges, the better a player you typically are. And the more I can predict your hand ranges, it doesn't matter what you are. You could be too loose, too aggressive, too passive, whatever. It doesn't matter. You might as well be playing it with your hand face up. Like that's that's at least my edge in poker. Like I'm I'm describing my edge. That may not be your edge. My edge in those games specifically, just like in DFS, when I go, like I used to primarily play the large field contest and play for leverage and all that type of stuff, and say, yeah, if you're playing these ten man, twenty man contests, the strategies I'm using don't apply to those, and vice versa. Right, they're all different games. How you play a fifty-person GPP and a fifty-thousand-person GPP is completely different. How you play one-dollar head-to-heads is different than you play twenty-five-dollar triple-ups. The field size, eleven bands versus twenty-three bands, could be different. They're all different. Depending on your strengths as a player, DFS and otherwise. That's what you're going to be doing. You're going to be finding those edges and exploiting them and banging on them until they're dead. Used to be in sports betting. I mean, people will talk about it from a long time ago. The second half uh, NBA lines were always off because the books back then would just take the full, the full total and cut it in half. So, so many people would bet on second half NBA lines for, for like years. Until the books caught on and it became efficient. But imagine back then, this guy and like, oh, you're never going to become a total pro if you're just going to just go bam, 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 the second half NBA lines. And you may be sitting there going, well, I'm making $150,000 a year doing it. Maybe I never have to, I don't have to find any other edges. Well, you don't have to find any other edges until you're forced to. That's what those people had to do. Still just to look and go like, oh, no, you got to, oh, that's not good enough. So based on my skill that I developed over years, in poker at least, is hand reading on average players in those level of games. So how do I take advantage of that? Well, I'm just going to keep on playing those games. When I play higher games... I have less of an advantage because they're on average tend to be a bit better and tend to be a bit more deceptive, a bit more exploitative. So although I'm probably better, better at hand reading than anyone at the table there, it's just, it doesn't supply as much of an edge anymore because enough people will read my hands well or read the rest of the table's hands well. 
but some of these lower one, two, 300 max games. I mean, it's like more than half the table I'm looking at going. Within an hour, I could figure out pretty, pretty I can narrow down the range, you range your hands on almost every hand to like, to like almost nothing to like, like you either have this hand, that hand, that, and that's it. Either you have the middle pair with some mid, some kid, you have, you have king eight, you missed your flush with ace X suited, or you have the nuts, or it's like one of those, one of those, or you slow, you slow played the top full house or something. Then I bet and I get called with tight bet with top pair, get called with middle pair. And people look at me like, how the hell did you get that bet? It's like, well, because you can only have one of those three hands. That's right. He checks to me. Obviously, he's not bluffing. He's not calling me with the bluff on the busted draw. He's going to call me with middle pair. He's going to check raise me with the nuts. So what do I do? I just bet there. I show my top, my, my top pair or whatever, whatever weak with the medium strong hand. Other people are like, I don't know how you bet there. How the hell did you know that he had middle pair? You got the maximum amount on that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's my that's my edge. That is my edge. <laughs> that is, that is what I do. I get the most amount of money out of the weakest hands. And the most amount of money against but the I get the most amount of money against every hand. And the and I and I lose the least amount of money with my second best hands. That is my edge. But then when you move up, that that skill isn't as useful. Because to do it requires being exploited in your actions. At least the actions that I take in order to gain all that knowledge. So that's edge finding. What are you doing? DFS. Poker, sports betting, where is your edge? You should be able to know what your edge is. What is your edge in the games that you play? How does that edge change based on who you're playing? Or what sport or what contest format or whatever it is. And maybe you should really think to yourself, should I be playing X, Y, and Z rather than playing this? If I already have an edge here and I could exploit it, maybe I just play more volume in this or play more sites in this or whatever, whatever it is. Instead of being influenced by by content, right? We had the World Cup, right? World Cup soccer. And I was like, hey, you guys should come in and play some World Cup soccer. Yeah, I've been playing soccer DFS for seven years. Of course, I'm going to be like, yeah, come on. Come on, people. Let's get some soccer people. Come on. I try to explain it. I try to teach people soccer DFS. But at the end of the day, if you're looking, going, yeah, I already have my edges. Like I, I don't, I don't need, to, I don't need to allocate any bankroll for that. It, maybe there's an edge there, but whatever. But like, I don't, I don't need it. Like that's perfectly fine. But a lot of people feel the need to be like, I got to be everywhere. Right. I got NBA props tonight. Oh, oh, I got to do the NFL props. I got to I got to be on 27 different sports books. And I got to I got to have all my Yahoo DFS week long lineup, the Thursday through Monday contest on Yahoo. And I'm on Super Draft and all my monkey knife fight picks and all. And I, and I just look and I go, you don't you don't have to do all of it. You don't. You don't. That's not the, the don't. 
next thing you know, your hair's falling out. Trying to do it all. Go, well, there's an edge there. There's an edge there. There's an edge there. There's an edge there. There's... Find the edges that work for you the most and just hammer them. And if, you're, if your results are good and the return you're getting is satisfactory is what towards your goals, what the hell are you running around for? Use that time. Spend the time with your family. Do something else. Say, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. There's uh, I can I can eke out another 1% by doing this X more work and this thing over there. Or you could say, I can spend time with the wife and kids. Maybe spend time with your wife and kids. Go out, enjoy yourself, touch some grass. Don't let other people go. Well, no, if you're not grinding, if you're not grinding the hell out of it, then you're not, you're not really doing that. Now you're not really, you're not a professional or anything. It all comes down to goals. What is your goal? If your goal is to like, I'm, I'm looking to make mere money, then just optimize for that. Your goal is just entertainment. Don't even listen to me. Don't even care about being profitable. Just bash your head against the keyboard. That's fine. If that, if that's how you entertain yourself, then do it that way. So this is why getting back to the very beginning of why setting goals is important. What is your goal? And maybe your goal changes over time. But don't base your play and your time investment, your monetary investment, based on other people's goals, their goals. Right? Oh, someone else. Oh, I want to win the Millie Maker. Or I want to. Is that your goal? Well, that's their goals. Well, who cares what their goals are? I don't care. I don't care what the. I don't care what other sports betters' goals are. I don't care what anyone at the poker table's goals are. What's my goals? Dave Clark says, when I regularly played online poker, I started being profitable when I focused on what I had an edge at, which was sit and goes, rather than trying to be the expert, rather than trying to be the expert tournament in cash and SNG and stud high, low, et cetera. Very good point. I really need to evaluate the save for DFS. That Dave, you're highlighting my exact point. <clears throat> and can you have an edge at all of those different things? Absolutely. But how much is it worth to, compared to your goal? If your goal is to be, I want to be world-renowned as knowing the most about every, every format, and I want to be the god of poker. I want to be the god of DFS. If that's your goal, then yeah, you obviously have to do all. That's your goal. Is that a reasonable goal? I don't think so. But I mean, if that is your goal, I want to literally be the god of DFS. I want to be, I want to be the number one ranked player in every single sport every year. Feel free to put down a lot of money in order to do that, but you're gonna have, you're not do everything. You're gonna be spending 16 hours a day doing that, and you may not even get there. That's your goal. But a lot of people think it very, very binary in terms of, well, if that's not your goal, then your goal is then you're a casual player. <laughs> like, like it's either one or the other. Either you're trying to make 70 billion need set set $11 billion, $11 billion, or you're a rec player. Right? It's either one or the other. Right? Either maximizing EV, you want ROI, you want to make, you want to take the lobby and rip all the money from it. 
And if you're not, if your goal is not to do that, then you just sit, then then sit on the toilet and make your lineups and play for for three dollars. Like that's that binary black and white thinking. Like that, that, that there's nothing in the middle. And if you if, obviously if you agree with the black and white thinking, there's nothing I can tell you. Go 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 try to be the god of god of whatever. If you sit back and go, what is your goals and where do you derive your edge? Maybe you stop playing. You go, why am I bothering with PGA? Maybe I cut that out. And I take that volume and put into where you have the edges. Where you've done well. Some people feel compelled to play NFL because it's the most liquid DFS board and the softest money. They go for 17 weeks, 18 weeks, whatever it is. Got to play NFL. Who says? Maybe you don't. And you go, no, my I have more edge in college basketball. So you play the college basketball slates. You play hockey, whatever it is. You don't play. You don't play NFL. Or you may go NBA. Ugh, I got an edge in NBA, but like when I play, I got to essentially spend every night late swapping and whatever and news checking and being in front of my computer. You know, you know what? Not going to play NBA because even though I have an edge, not worth the time. I could now dedicate that time and that energy and that volume to something else. To find another edge. That's perfectly viable. Don't feel like you're compelled. You have to. Well, there's, an, there's a two-game NBA slate. I got to play it. Why? Do you have an edge there? Well, I could. Do you need to play it? Would be would your money be better spent somewhere somewhere else? The time be better spent something. The time could be better spent with just hanging out with the kids or something, or your family, or if you don't have a fa- watching Netflix, whatever that may be more worthwhile to you than a two game NBA slate. And maybe you're not very good on the shorter slates. You're like, oh, I like the nine game slates, two game slates, just like with showdowns. Like some people, are like oh, I'm not good good at showdown. I only play the classic slates. And there's some people that are the opposite that never play the classic slates. They only play the showdowns. But people try to shame them. And, oh, well, you don't play the main classic slate? Like Daniel Hutchings, I, the, the, Dan, the Dirty Tenor. He doesn't play the, he plays like the turbo NBA stuff. Or the stuff where the NBA slates are like, the games are closer together because he's not going to, he doesn't want to be like 7 o'clock, 7.30, 8.30, 9 o'clock, 10.30, 10 o'clock. And it's like he's not, he doesn't want to have to run all of that. But if the slate is like 7, 7, 7, 7, 30, 8, 8, 8, and that's the slate where it's like by 8 o'clock, within one hour, the last game is locked and you're done. Like he'll play those. Doesn't mean he, he has an edge in the larger slates with all this game, but he doesn't want to do, like, no, he doesn't value, the, doesn't value doing that. Right, MMA, right? I, if I'm not going to be home and to late swap every 20 minutes, I ain't going to play. You may still have an edge regardless if you late swap or not, but you'd be like, nope, not going to devote the money to it. Yeah, Daniel says, minimal edge for me with maximal time suck. Right. Main reason why I'm not playing. I haven't played NBA for weeks. I'll play when NFL is over. Right, I'll play when mid-January or something. With this, what else is going? There's nothing. There's there's nothing that I would be putting my money towards. I'm choosing to put my money towards NFL and soccer, 
right? All, all my all my NBA volume for the past month pretty much went into World Cup soccer. Now I would have still put money into World Cup soccer regardless, but at least it's something. I don't want to sit around having the engine DFS and not doing anything. I'll take days off. I'll take slates off. That's that, that's no problem. But I don't want to sit around in February going, well, I'm just not going to play for the, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to wait two months and play to, to MLB. You could do that. Really nitty. I'm not that nitty. But it's kind of, that's kind of the point that I'm making. Find your edge. Nail it and don't worry about other what other people are doing. Don't worry. Don't worry what other people are doing. <coughs> or what are, is what you're doing allowing you to achieve your goals or your current goal, at least? If the answer is yes, then screw everyone else. Well, you're going to have to learn this. You're going to have to learn that. Do you? Do you have to? Now, if you have the time, obviously, you should, you, you should want to get better. Always be learning. Yes. But do you have to? Oh, my God. You're sitting at the kitty table at the poker game. Oh, you're sitting at the poker. Kitty poker table. Like, dude, I played on Tuesday. I had more chips in front of me than most of the people do. I was in the one-two no the one-two game. They were they were running and they 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 started a new two five. They started a two-five game that I originally was gonna play when I first got there, but they didn't have it going. By the time I was done at the one-two no limit game, I had a bigger stack than anyone at the two-five no limit game. I cashed out for like twenty-one hundred dollars. There's no one at the at I look, no, I, no one no one had no one had over two thousand in front of them. So what the hell? Are you gonna sit at the kitty table? Yeah, if I can make this much money, sure, yeah, of course I of course I will. People left the people left my game. The good players left my game to start that game and left me with all the bad players. That's the best of both worlds. I love that. I love when that happens. The two best players in my game literally took their chips. There were currently two or three bad players in the game that had like six to 800 in front of them. Two best players at the table besides me that I would consider the best players. They called the two five game, which I was on and I waved it off. They got, they got up and they started the two five game. And I look at the two five game and I go, where are the bad players? All the good players got up from all the one two games to play the two five game. And I sit there and go, You people are idiots. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm okay, thank you. Then some new two new players sit down and they have a hundred bucks in front of them or whatever. And I look at the people, you know, the two guys next to me that have six to eight hundred bucks, and I go, I'm gonna get your money in the next uh, let's see, three hours. And you know what happens? I got all their money in the next three hours. <laughs> Same people that went over to the 2-5 game are sitting just passing chips amongst themselves. That's the point. That's the general, that's the point. Maybe it's ego. Maybe you're right. It is. Maybe it is ego. You don't feel, oh, that's the game I normally play. Normally, there are several whales in the 2-5 game. Normally, I play, right? People people, people judge themselves. Normally, I play the 
the the two hundred dollar three max in in uh, in DFS. Normally, I play the spy. Norm, and if I don't play that, I feel less less of myself. I feel like you're stepping down, and then it's like, oh, I was at a higher level. I hope people don't see that I'm playing lower and I'm not playing higher. They're gonna think worse of me. I look at that and I go, who cares what they think? Why do you care what they think of you? In DFS? You don't even have to look at these people. Oh my God, you're not 150 maxing this? You used to. Are you broke? Who cares? What does it have anything to do with it? If you don't find an edge in it, don't do it. Right? People ask me, oh, why don't you 150? Oh, you have such an edge. Why don't you 150? Because my risk of ruin, I don't... I. I like to mitigate risk. I'll play 50 lineups. That's fine. Or now I'm playing, like in MMA, I'm playing the smaller field stuff. It's like, why don't you play 150? Why Why do I need to? Where's my edge? I'm going to play that. Oh, so you don't have an edge at 150? No, it's like, I have an edge in a million things. I can't do a million things at once. So I'm going to concentrate on the things that I can and hammer that to death. Daniel says hardly anyone cares what you're doing in DFS anyway. But you think that. I'm talking about people. I'm not, not talking about you in particular. But I guarantee you there are people that are like, they move up in DFS stakes and they can't come back down because they think people will think worse of them. Or they don't want to think worse of themselves. Like they failed. Even if they're not failing. Even if it's <coughs> much better that they step down and just play the games that they had an edge in anyway. I see that in poker. I, I mean, the poker, I see, I used to see that all the time because people would say that to me. Why the hell are you playing this game? Why are you playing in the big game? Look, look at who's playing in the big game. That guy, that guy, that, oh, he's a good guy. He's a good player. Yeah, the goal is to play bad players. So why the hell are you pointing out? Well, all, all the players that everyone respects is in that game. Why aren't you in, people respect you, Jordan. Why aren't you in the big game? Because this game right here I'm sitting in is it's a gold mine. <laughs> well, that's mine. <laughs> what do I care about sitting next to three three people that I that I tip t- three people that I would typically travel to tournaments and play cash games with? Why am I playing in that game? I look at that game and I go, nah, what who am I making money off of in that game? Yeah, but that's where the, that's where the big guys play. Who so that's my purpose. To be considered a big guy? Get out of here. But that's how people think. I'm telling you, that's how people think. The more you get away from that type of thinking, the more profitable. I think the more profitable you'll be. Strawface23 says you could probably dedicate a chapter in the Theory DFS to player's ego. Yeah, you got to get rid of your ego. No ego. That's why if you want to learn some of these concepts when it comes to DFS, get the theory of daily fantasy sports. How to think like a professional DFS player. That's the first 15-hour fundamentals masterclass. And then there's the, the advanced players course. Six hours, 10 chapters, plus it comes with the custom Excel tools that James McCool has made. If you make your process systematic, repeatable, and time efficient, so go to theory of DFS.com. Pick it up. We've been having some good conversations this week, I think. I've gotten some good feedback. 
right? Kind of just like it's more like we're, we're talking about life in general, relating it to, to multiple different things. It's not just all DFS. It's all it's all one thing. So give me that thumbs up button on your way out the door, right? We got casual Friday tomorrow, right? We'll, we'll talk casually about whatever. I enjoy talking about this type of stuff. It's like general. Your holistic strategy, your holistic mindset into any any of this type of world, gambling-ish, and gambling adjacent, fantasy sports adjacent type of stuff, investing, anything type of stuff. I enjoy it. So if you have any stuff we could talk more about tomorrow, if you got any examples, got any articles or anything, join me in the Roto Grinders Discord, right? If you're a premium member, Right, I have the Blenders Game Theory channel. That's where that's where I hang out. So if you want to hang out with me and be in my Discord, just join Roto Grinders, get a premium subscription, anything. It doesn't have to be combo premium, but whatever. As long as you're a premium member, you have access to that. Then two or three times a month, I do a Zoom coaching calls. The next one will be on next Thursday in the afternoon. So come join me then. We got a NFL pre-lock show later tonight. We got crunch time, I think, for NBA. Not Grinders Live, I think, for two games late. But we got NFL pre-lock show for uh, Thursday night football. Should be a really bad game between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New York Jets in, in bad weather. Then maybe tomorrow we'll talk about the NFL slate. Maybe we'll talk about whatever you want. That's the, the kind of the way it is here. That's kind of the way it is here. We hang out in the YouTube chat, talk about whatever you want. I answer your DFS strategy questions like I try to do here every Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern, on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.